Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Morning, everyone. Good to be with you in worship today. And hey to all of you with us online right now. There's a bunch of you every week, and we love that you're tuned in wherever you might be this morning. Pastor Dave was scheduled to kick off this series for 2024. Uh, and he called me this week and uh, let me know that a surgery that he had scheduled in February bumped up to this last Wednesday because of his excruciating pain. Uh, he had back surgery to fix an issue that he's been dealing with. We've been watching him deal with it. And I am just so ready to see my brother out of back pain. I'm so ready. And Pastor, yeah, Pastor Leanne this morning with our, our team um, I threw my back out a few weeks ago. I'm not going to tell you how because it's embarrassing to admit. Um, and, and then Diego's back, and Leanne was talking about backs this morning and praying over backs here. If you have a back issue right now or you're some sort of back pain, will you please stand up because we're going to pray. <laughs> stand up. We're going to pray today. I'm believing this. Come on. Stand up if you have some sort of back issue, back pain. There's a lot of us. It's a fraternity and sorority that we don't want to be a part of. God is refining us and maturing us and completing us through this trial. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to pray and believe in healing. Pray with me. Jesus, healer then, you healed. We see it on the pages of Scripture. So often you laid your hand on somebody with a sickness or an ailment and, and it was your power and your authority over that person's body that brought healing. Sometimes, sometimes, Jesus, it was just a spoken word. You didn't even have to touch with your hand. You just spoke. You have authority over all the pain in every back in this room this morning, whether that's a skeleton issue or a nerve issue or a disc issue or a muscular issue. And I pray in the name of Jesus right now for healing over every person in this room in pain that you would come and touch everybody, restore everybody unto health. God, relieve us of our pain, we pray. And yet, if we have to wait longer for our healing, give us perseverance. Give us that endurance that we see in James chapter 1, that even in our pain we can experience and feel and taste the goodness of the Lord and the joy of our Father in heaven. God, bring healing in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated carefully. <laughs> We're kicking off a new series this morning. For 2024, it's going to be six weeks long. And it's called Living the Way. Without a doubt, we all have our own way of living, our own way of being, our own way of doing. You do things your way. I do things my way. Our way of thinking, our way of behaving, our way of spending, our way of working, our way of resting. We all have our own way of being. And if we're honest, 
We all have the tendency to believe that our way is the right way. Our way, yeah, of course it is. Our way is the best way. Our way is the only way. Can anybody relate to this? There's this couple, for example, and and one of them said to the other, fine, we'll compromise. I'll get my way, and you'll find a way to be okay with that. Let me offer an illustration from my personal life, and I understand the risk involved in doing so. There is no one, and when I say no one, I mean there is no one in my immediate family who knows how to load a dishwasher as well as I do. I don't mean to boast, but my way of loading a dishwasher is the right way, it's the best way, it's the only way. I'll show you a picture of how a dishwasher is meant to be loaded. Those of you who share my spiritual gift of loading dishes, I appreciate the applause. Everything about this photo is sexy in every way. Um, That's just a Google image. That's not my dishwasher. My dishwasher actually, believe it or not, looks better than that. I'm better than that because my way is the best. Many of you agree with me. How many of y'all are stressed out right now looking at this picture because you have never been properly trained on how to load a dishwasher, and this stresses you out. You could admit that this morning. One more thing worth mentioning as we talk about dishes. If you load a dishwasher like this, as one of your pastors, I'm calling you to repentance this morning (laughs) before the Lord, because dishes are meant to be rinsed before they're placed in the dishwasher. Can I get a good amen from the church? If you're curious on how contentious this really can be in anybody's home, I want you to just go home and Google how to unload a dishwasher, how to load a dishwasher, anything about a dishwasher. You're going to get over 52 million hits. I'm not kidding. This is a big deal. It sets up my sermon because you know the point that I'm making. We just all have our own way of doing things. And we're guilty. We have this tendency of thinking then that my way is the right way, it's the best way, and it's the only way. Do you know that Jesus Christ did a lot of teaching on a different, unique, special way of living? Jesus teaches us in Scripture on how we are to live in the way of the kingdom of God. So, Let's do three things today as we launch this series on the Beatitudes, the way of the kingdom. First, I'd like to set the scene of what was happening in Matthew chapter 5. Second, I'd like to introduce this idea of the kingdom way as it opposes to our way of doing things. And then third, we'll jump in with our very first Beatitude of this series. Everybody okay with that? First, Let's set the scene. 
John the Baptist had appeared on the scene to what? Prepare the way of the Lord. And how did he do that? Well, he did so by preaching a message of repentance. He administered baptism. Someone was about to arrive, and his baptism would be one of spirit and fire. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and then he is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Then Jesus announced the inbreaking kingdom of God, and he summoned people to be a part of it. How? By preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He called two fishermen, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, to follow him to be a part of this journey, this new way, to be a part of discipleship, and to fish for people. He healed the sick, and news about Jesus was traveling near and far. Crowds, it says in Scripture, from Galilee and Jerusalem and Judea and the region across the Jordan all came and began to follow him, not because all of them were adhering to the way, but out of intrigue. Who is this man? What is he teaching? What is he about? What about these miracles? How is this healing happen? Is he the true Messiah? Is he says who he says he is? Is he says, is he is who he says? That's hard. He then gives us the first discourse called the Sermon on the Mount, featuring Jesus on a mountain like a new Moses, offering a new Torah to these new followers. And at the conclusion of the entire Sermon on the Mount, not just the Beatitudes that we're focusing on in this series, but the entire sermon, look at the people's response. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were what? at his teaching. He's the best teacher to ever teach. But more than just amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law that they had listened to over the course of their lives. That's what's happening here in Matthew chapter 5. That's setting the scene of what we're going to study in this series. Now let's try, let's make an attempt to describe, maybe define, this kingdom way that Jesus was introducing to the people. It's impossible, really, to summarize the kingdom way, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's impossible to summarize that in a sermon. It's impossible to summarize it in a lifetime of sermons. But fittingly, as I was kind of rushing to prepare a sermon, coming home from traveling, I'm on a late evening uh, flight, and I get, and the Hughes were on the flight. And I sat by Mitch. It was, it was like a chartered flight for Redeemer. So we're all coming home, and fittingly, I get an email from Emily Geister, and, and the title of the email says, Kingdoms. Well, I knew that's what I was coming back to preach about, the kingdom way. So I click it. I open it. It got my attention. And I love what the author, Grace Pouch is her name, and she writes, this is beautiful, listen to this. The realm where God's way is done is the kingdom of God. It is from everlasting to everlasting. This is beautiful on the heels of Advent here. What changed with the birth of Jesus was God's gift of a way in. See, we don't have to go find the kingdom 
of heaven, the kingdom of God. God gave us the gift in Christ, a way into the kingdom. To those who receive Christ as king, he gives the power to become powerless, to give up supreme rulership of our own little kingdoms and become like children, right? John 1, for all who call upon the name of the Lord, he gives the right to become sons, the right to become daughters of God. She says, children of the king, happy to follow in the Father's footsteps and ready to trust him with our lives. God's kingdom. It is God's activity, loving and creating and providing and leading and calling and sending and liberating and judging and conquering and caring and so much more is the activity of God. And His kingdom, it evokes a response from everyone, okay? And that can either be allegiance or rebellion, right? Back to the way. It's His way or the what? That's right, the highway. So it evokes this response. Are we going to submit? Are we going to say yes and adhere to the kingdom and have allegiance to the kingdom? Or are we going to live in rebellion? It is natural to ponder so many things about the kingdom. And even over the course of your lives, it is natural to frustratingly wonder, like, what about this kingdom? What does God mean about his kingdom? Where is the kingdom? When did the kingdom commence? You know, like, what? I'm dying to know more about the kingdom of God. But remember, even though those questions are great to ask, and God certainly welcomes them, and I know God loves it when we sit and ponder things about him, but we have to remember God's kingdom is not restricted by time. It's not restricted by space. So we're chasing a rabbit here. In relation to the kingdom of God, the better question for us is this, to serve or not to serve? That's what it comes down to. Are we going to serve God's kingdom, be a part of it, adhere to it, have allegiance to it, or are we not? How important is our understanding of the kingdom of God? Very. In the Gospel of Matthew alone, king and kingdom language, by the way, king, kingdom, dominion of the king, kingdom language appears in 25 of 28 chapters. So God is getting our attention pulling our attention to his way, the way, the only way, the best way. And the gift of the way in, as you heard in that quote a moment ago, it's an invitation that is extended to all people in all places. So that's the scene leading into Matthew chapter 5, and those are some thoughts about this kingdom way that Jesus is about to introduce in his sermon I want to turn our attention to his Sermon on the Mount, but before I read the first few verses, listen to theologian John Stott's summary of this sermon. The Sermon on the Mount, he writes, is the most complete description anywhere in the New Testament of the Christian counterculture. Pause there with me. You do know that if you are professing your belief and your faith in Jesus Christ and adhering to the gospel, if you have that vine and branch relationship abiding in Christ, you do know that you are living a countercultural lifestyle, right? That people look at you and they know there's something 
different about you. They look at you and they know that you are in the world, yes, living a full human real life, but you are not of this world. You are adhered to another place, another kingdom. You are a citizen elsewhere. Like the gospel is countercultural to the old Adam Barnett, the Adam Barnett that was put to death so that the new Adam could be raised to life in Christ. It's countercultural. Here, back to Stott, here is a Christian value system, ethical standard, religious devotion, attitude to money, ambition, lifestyle, and network of relationships, all of which totally oppose those in the non-Christian world. And this Christian counterculture is the life of the kingdom of God, a fully human life indeed, but lived under the divine rule. So as you keep Stott's description here of this sermon in mind, consider how those first followers of the way would have internalized Jesus' sermon as they listened to him teach. These listeners were familiar, very familiar with the iron fist of the Roman Empire. Rome's military presence everywhere, restricting people's freedoms and demanding taxes left and right everywhere people went. Israel wanted a kingdom characterized by political freedom. So imagine their surprise after hearing Jesus teach. They were not expecting a kingdom characterized by moral ethics and spiritual righteousness and love and forgiveness. These earliest followers of the way, which is what they called it, the way, were on the verge of the very first outbreak of persecution. It was coming, and so they would have been in a place desperate need of eternal perspective. They would have been listening to Jesus, wanting hope. What is it that our hope is in after all? Yeah, we're following this teacher. We're, we're, we're in the current of this new way of living. We're in this new fellowship of believers that are meeting and trying to figure out who we are. What is our hope, though? They would have been in desperate need. And as they listened to Jesus, astonishing reversals were revealed. Think about these people. Their outward circumstances as kingdom servants would be most pitied in society, but according to their future inheritance, they should be most envied. So here we go, Matthew 5, 1 through 3. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He begins by pronouncing a blessing on the most unlikely audience, the destitute, the grief-stricken, the oppressed, the people who were longing for justice in that society. And in the broader Greco-Roman world, people were highly conscious of their status, where they fit in a social system where there was rich over poor, and male over female, and free over slave, and so on. And so I love that right away, here at the top end of this message, status reversal accompanies the arrival of God's kingdom. While poverty was a significant challenge in society at that time, what does it mean, the poor in spirit? The poor in 
spirit. What does that mean for you and for me today? Jesus could have certainly been using language from Psalms and from Isaiah. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, Isaiah 61.1, and to help the crushed in spirit, Psalm 34.18. Poor in spirit could be what leads us to repentance in the first place. So when Jesus starts his ministry by preaching repentance, the poor in spirit, those who had the, the, the ability on the inside to admit their inadequacy, their sin, those who were able to recognize their own spiritual bankruptcy, the blessing or happiness that we're looking at here that belongs to the poor in spirit is because such a person, by his or her own admit, admission, is already moving toward participation in God's kingdom, saying, I acknowledge my need, my need of a source of salvation, and I acknowledge that I am not that source. Therefore, I am poor in spirit. I know I need something or someone greater than I. Living the way of the kingdom is admitting that God's way is better than our own. And this, look, we talk, we talk about this. We, yeah, we, we believe this. Yeah, I believe it's better than my own. Like, this is the kind of stuff we slap on the rear bumper of our car. God's kingdom's better than my own. Sure. But do we live it? Because what, what about when God's way is different than my way? This, this is where our pride takes a hit. And it's a necessary hit. You know, to talk about the dishwasher again. Is my way the best way? Is my way the only way? I, I, I really hate to admit it's not. And why? We were out of the country all week, and we washed dishes. And you know how we washed it? By hand. My way is not the best way because my way cannot be practiced by all people in all places. Can't. Most of the world washes dishes by hand. The way of Jesus is universal. It can be practiced and applied by any person in any place. His way is the best and only way. When we shift our focus off of our little castles and instead we look at the big picture of his kingdom, that's when we begin to see that his way is always better than our own way. We've got to put our own way on the altar. We've got to put our own way on the altar, especially when it differs from the way things go with God. To close, let me draw your attention to this already and not yet of the kingdom. The blessing for the poor in spirit is what? The blessing is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But this could be translated and read as follows, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. You hear this? This is present tense. The kingdom of heaven belongs right now. Here, it belongs to us. 
It's, 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 it's very, very present. It's already, but it's also not yet because as we continue to walk through the Beatitudes, you're going to see future promises. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will see God. So already in his teaching, we see the present tense and the future. Thus, living the way of the kingdom of God involves a present responsibility right here and right now, but also a future privilege. The responsibility today, it's the way that we live reflecting the values of the kingdom of God. It's putting our own way on the altar and walking in the way of Christ. That's our responsibility. The privilege here in this teaching is that there is a day to come when God will bring the consummation of the kingdom. I'm going to start over on that sentence, and I'm just going to tell you, at the end of this, it's a good, it's a good point for an amen, okay? So just take a second. Get ready. The privilege is that there's a day to come when God will bring the consummation of the kingdom, and for all those in Christ, they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Amen. When we take communion together, we do both. The already and the not yet. We remember what has already happened. The inauguration of the kingdom of God. The life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We remember that. But it also says in Scripture that we take communion and we reflect on the not yet. That when we do, we are proclaiming the day of the Lord when he comes. So communion stewards, would you please come forward and prepare? Communion is by intinction here where you take the bread and you dip it into the cup. All of the elements here are gluten-free, So as the stewards prepare, hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. As delivered by the Apostle Paul, for I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. See, that's the already. Here's the not yet. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So come to this sacred table today, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify, not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you're strong, but because you're weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of God's mercy, constant need of God's help. As you come, also look to your left and right and look in front of you and behind you, and look at this incredible gift, the body of Christ, those that you're waiting with, 
for his return. What a gift of community in communion. So eat and drink, and may this be food for your spiritual journey. Table is open. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected with all that God is doing here at Redeemer, you can visit RedeemerTulsa.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Have a blessed week.